this episode of 11 Point Collar is brought to you by this special message coming to you from the Worlds of Puppetry Museum in Atlanta, Georgia. Here is Michael Dunlap, the chairman of the board of the Center for Puppetry Arts. To all the Muppet fans and all the puppet fans in the world, come here. Come see this because this is fantastic. It's spectacular. It is, uh, it is one of a kind. And I think it is probably the richest commitment of puppets and of the Muppets in, in the world. It's 11 Point Collar, hosted by J.D. Frog Scout Hansel. Alright, so we are recording. We're on? We're live? We're, we're live. Okay, what podcast is this for, Steve? Do we know? Is it for me? Yeah, it's for It's, it's yeah. for me. Okay, then this is a very special episode of 11 Point Collar, then, that I didn't even know was going to happen. Yeah, you did. I didn't we know. We discussed this as we were leaving dinner. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I didn't know it was going to happen until we were leaving dinner. Oh, okay. For me, that's pretty late. Generally, I plan these things out so that they seem more formal and professional, and this one's being done very quickly at last minute. Because we have to talk about everything that we just saw at the grand opening of the Worlds of Puppetry Museum at the Center for Puppetry Arts. Wait, wait, so the things that you do when you're, you actually plan it to happen that way? Yeah, I really? plan things. That, yeah, I generally spend a lot of okay. time planning things. Okay, all right. Believe, I know you wouldn't realize I'm a little surprised it. to actually learn that, but Would okay. you like to see my scripts? No, it's, it's, I believe you. I can show you my <laughs> scripts. We have time. It's no. You made it clear that we didn't have a lot of time. We don't so. have time. No. But I have time to show you my scripts because I work hard on them. Dang it! And no one gets to see them but me. <laughs> so let's bring that out. Why don't we? Why don't you introduce yourself, Steve? Hi, this is Steve Swanson from the Muppet Cast at MuppetCast.com, and I'm here in a hotel room, mine actually, with well, a lot more people than we normally have for this sort of thing. We have my good friend and longtime listener, Arian Gallagher. Hello. I just waved at the microphone. Uh, yeah, no idea why I did that. That's okay. Everyone does it. It's, 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 it's just <laughs> Everyone fine. has to start by waving at the microphone. That's right. Or giving yeah. it a thumbs up or a nod. Yeah. Everybody yes. does it. Yes. And longtime friend and listener, Master C. Harris, Chris Harris. Hello. I'll give an okay sign. To the... Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, sh- I should have mentioned uh, avid Muppet t-shirt collector. Because um, nice. believe me, you win in that <laughs> contest. Uh, and then, sitting in the middle of the couch, well, J.D. Hansel. Yes, who else but me? Did you bring the kazoo? I couldn't, I, I oh. forgot, I couldn't find it. I could not find the kazoo, I'm sorry. <sighs> That's too bad. Terribly sorry, however... What do you have? What do you have? It's a translucent pink recorder with yep. little tassels tied... Mm-hmm. This is the one. Did you do that? The little I did not. Okay. I just found this. Because you would have had this to leave way. if you No. Did. No, it's it's I, I got them from a little girl and I wanna explain much more than that, but it's a very you nice You stole it from a little girl. I didn't say that. <laughs> J D, I'm not actually surprised. Here, scroll through the notes that I have just for an opening of I'm not sure I can read this in public, J D. <laughs> that's I what think the this? that's the Frog Fan seventy six episode. I typed up everything that I okay. said. For I'm the just reading for this. that one. It's, no, you don't need to read it on mic. I oh. mean, just I was just hoping you would scroll through just for your oh, own. Okay, this uh, is just act- to confirm that you uh, that I do take notes and yeah, this prepare is, for this. Okay, is this what you're gonna say? That's what I said when I had Frog Fan on in episode sixty nine. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Would you like to read a little bit of it? Yes, I finally did it. 
I have finally made it to the level of high status at which I can have FrogFan76 as a guest on my show. After much begging, this is episode number 69 of 11 Point Collar, and seeing the number 65 obviously makes us think of one thing. That's right, Sesame Street! We're going to be playing Sesame Street. Tell me when to stop. Okay, you can stop. Okay, you can stop. You. you can stop. You can stop. You ruined the joke by saying 65 instead of 69 sometimes. Did I say there, 65? You did. You did. Oh, you did wow. say 65. That oh. ruined everything. Well, that's okay. You totally blew the dirty I, joke. I totally blew the joke. I don't know how I did that. I was hoping I could think of a clever transition there, but as usual, you've only made me think of a heavy sigh. That's uh, Okay, that's fine. Well, I think that we want to get started talking about the Center for Puppetry Arts. I have my Center for Puppetry Arts hat. I have my Muppetational Mosaic shirt that I wore to the Center for Puppetry Arts because it is the greatest t-shirt of all time. Mm -hmm. And whose reaction are we going to go with first? Just an initial reaction of what we saw at this grand opening. Do we have a first impression from, say, Steve Swanson of the Muppet cast? Here's the thing. is I think we all probably have the same reaction, but we can't... It's hard to put it into words except just saying like "Wow" or "Bah." I mean, it was it was an outstanding day. Um, it's it is hard to process because there was so much to the day. I mean, we started the morning off with well, most of the people that we associate with Muppet Dumb in one room. I mean, we had I, I think the entire Henson legacy. We had the, Hens, the entire Henson family. Uh, which is those two things right there. Just, you know, think about that. That's Cheryl, Brian, and Heather, and all their kids. So Jim Henson's grandkids as well. Um, surprise guest, Steve Whitmire, and surprisier guest, Kermit the Frog. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, all the folks from the Center for Puppetry Arts, um, some of whom I know from going to the Center for different special events through the year. So... It really, in many ways, felt like a homecoming right off the bat in the morning, um, and it's hard. And it, it it really is hard to get to a higher level than that. I mean, just you're you're so jazzed up as a fan looking around and seeing. Here are so many of the people who are responsible for the things that I've loved as a kid, and of course, as really as an adult too. You had a few uh, other performers around there. You had Fran Brill, Leslie Carr, Rudolph. Um, I'm not sure if I forget anyone, but in any case, there was a big opening ceremony in the morning, so that was fun. Steve Whitmire was even around with Kermit doing a couple things. We didn't ask for a whole recap. No, I know, but you asked me to go, and you for haven't stopped me For yet, a first, so. imp- I, what I asked for was a first impression. Okay, well, this great. is me stopping you. Okay, okay, that's fine. My first impression is it was good. Really? <laughs> yeah, sure. What's I'm your, glad this is for your show. Yeah, <laughs> Ariane. It was. I think the thing that really stuck with me was the atmosphere of everybody in the room. It was kind of that mix of, it was a big reunion of people who have known each other and worked together for a really long time. And then just the locals from Atlanta and the mayor and everybody from Atlanta who was there who was just so excited that this was in Atlanta. And they wanted to sort of keep this going and they it was just a big celebration. And a lot of you could tell that a lot of people were working on this for a really long time during the renovation and getting it ready and people were just so excited and the atmosphere in the room everybody that talked got a standing ovation got oh, rounds yeah. huge rounds of applause and just the excitement and the warmth of being in part of a big family in the room i think more than anything was what i took with and it, it was it's definitely like it's hard not to 
have a couple of tears in your eyes at the end when Cheryl was talking about her father's legacy and how she would have uh, known that he would have really liked it and that they want people to continue looking at seeing the puppets but then going to the workshops and then building and, and learning about puppetry and just everybody was really excited and then her grandkids opening the doors and like coming get it come on in and so it was it was a really great uh, really great family warm feeling throughout the entire day. Again, you started giving a lot of specific details about what happened during the day. You see, mine was shorter. It was shorter. <laughs> it was shorter. <laughs> the thing that you're, you're not seeing here, J.D., is, okay, yes, we are, are giving a lot of description here, mm -hmm. but it's because those events produce a certain feeling that is otherwise very difficult to describe. So yeah. in our descriptions of it, people listening to it are going to go, oh, my God, yes, I know exactly what that would feel like. You know, so it's, it, it's something that it's a little bit difficult to just bottle up. I see, I see. Well, you know, I think that there's probably some way for us to compromise here and find the right kind of first impression that has a balance of enough detail that you get what we're talking mm. about, but enough uh, brevity and simplicity that would make it just the perfect first impression. Chris, what is the perfect first impression? I yep, that's good. I could be simple. Uh, it was an amazing experience, but just to echo, I guess, a lot of what's already been said, it was I heard it described several times throughout the day as a family reunion, and they mm -hmm. really did have that mm -hmm. feeling to it. And as we sat there this morning, and the amazing group of people that were there, it was difficult not to get teary-eyed at moments, especially there toward the end. As you know, I, I can't remember now who said that. You know, they just wish Jim could have been there to be part of it too. Because mm -hmm. We all feel that way, but it was just, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. I think that for me, if I had to sum it up in one word that isn't the word good, if I wanted to get just a little more detailed than that, I would probably say thrilling, because I think thrilling has a mostly positive connotation, as it should in this case. However, there is an element of terror to it, which should also be there in this case, because this was an overwhelming experience. When I was talking with uh, Leslie, it was a pretty brief conversation, but still, one of the things that she kept saying was that she was overstimulated because there was so much to take in. Even if you were someone who, you know, who was on the inside, who knew these people from performing on Sesame Street and things, and so wasn't having the, the starstruck feelings that I was having, it's still so much to take in. And that made it... it it made it difficult for me to discern between my feelings about the exhibit and my feelings about being surrounded by all of these really cool people because those are two different experiences. And I know that for, for you listeners, the relatable experience is going to be, as far as something that you could actually do, going to see the museum and seeing the puppets there. For me, that part was also thrilling because that was it was, it was a wonderland of everything and everyone that I love because right off the bat you're seeing all these amazing creations just astounding mm. characters that I never would have guessed were on display here what what were let's let's do this now what were some of the characters that we were very very thrilled to see or surprised to see shocked or just overjoyed well I think one of the ones I was really surprised to see was Clueless Morgan. Right, same here. Yeah, yeah. it yeah, was, was pretty great. I mean, it, it, I I like Muppet Treasure Island very much as a movie, um, and I think we also saw Tribal Queen Piggy. I think mm -hmm. that was the so that made sense. 
to see Piggy because she is one of the big stars. That was a really unexpected yet really neat version of her to see. Um, but then to see a character like Clueless Morgan, who I, I kind of like, he's kind of an underdog character that's always been kind of a favorite of mine. And he's been on a few different Henson productions, but to see him there was like, oh wow, that really, well, that's kind of cool. He was in the Muppet Treasure Island attire next to the Hispaniola. Yes. They uh, had the, oh, the ship. Model. The scale yeah, model of the Hispaniola. Uh, you, Chris? A lot of great characters. The one that pops to my mind first is Marvin Suggs, though. Mm-hmm. See yeah. The character there. Good choice. Really wasn't one I was expecting to see, and uh, great to see him there on display with a lot of the other Muppet Show characters. And he had the Muppet phone, but mm-hmm. he only had like ha- he had like half an octave of the Muppet phone. Yes. Yeah, he had four. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was a really cool one. Arian. I think it was a lot of the the really rare characters that you've only seen like maybe in in one special like uh, four of the seven deadly sins from mm, Sex yep. and Violence mm-hmm. that were there. Yeah. Um, you saw the camel that you remember seeing in the in the picture for the Muppet movie when Statler and Waldorf were riding yes. a camel, but that never made the movie. Mm-hmm. But the camel was kind of like peeking out from around the exhibit. Um, and just some of the other really rare characters, like the ones from the Muppet Musicians of Brennan, and just ones that you don't usually see as like the common core characters that they had a chance to shine, I thought was great. And a lot of them you know are fairly old from a long time oh, ago, yeah. and they looked like they were brand new. And just the, the restoration that they did on a lot of those older characters just looked Ooh. really great. Yeah. That was something that I kind of surprised me. I, I guess it, I hadn't really thought about it, Yes, they've done so much restoration on these characters that are so old, but they're they're restoring them with materials that can withstand yeah. being displayed in a museum, whereas when they were first constructed, they were made out of materials that were just good for puppetry. And the more I talk to people about that process, it's like, wow, you guys really have to know a lot about like just chemistry to be able to know what's going to react with what and what's going to be able to, to hold up. That was... For me, that was kind of interesting. The restoration process was clearly handled very, 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 very carefully. Mm-hmm. How carefully? <laughs> Somewhat. Okay. It was absolutely remarkable to see these characters looking good as new. Yeah, yeah. Just, just oh my gosh and uh, even with not the muppet characters all the character all the puppets that they had uh in the global section yeah Mm -hmm. because some of those you know have to be pretty old and yet they were still looking good still very beautiful very well crafted clearly uh painted and when we say old some of them are from like 1400s old yeah like <laughs> very very old yeah like amazing like how where did you even find these things right you know that's the kind of thing we're talking about and in other cases it's uh, stuff that's not very old at all like stuff from the Lion King on Broadway or mm-hmm. uh, the movie Coraline or that was uh, cool uh, Corpse yeah. Bride is that Corpse, yeah, Bride, Corpse Coral- Bride the the Corpse Bride characters were cool I thought the, the entire scene from Coraline. That yep. was so interesting. It was surreal to see that right there in front of me. Yeah. Did you so, see the Coraline stop motion display that was right next I to did. it? I did, yeah. It was so great. So people, there was a little click wheel, 
and you could dictate how fast or how slow the animation went on the screen. Mm -hmm. So you would literally see kids going up there and, and doing the stop motion and, and turning the click wheel and, and seeing how each of it worked step by step. Yeah. And that was that was really neat to see, and that, especially a lot of kids were getting into it. I think stop motion, it, it's, I look at it as definitely a form of puppetry. Now, yeah. obviously, everyone in this room does too, I think. And to make that a physical, you know, kinesthetic lesson for kids. Yeah. That was really awesome because you can stand there and read about it and you can see the figures, but to physically make it happen, mm -hmm. that was a very interesting, innovative way to, to kind of present that. Yeah. Now, we also got to take a look, a very up-close, in-person look at the puppets used in the Rudolph the Red-Nosed oh, Reindeer that show. Great. That was great. This yeah. was a very, very impressive puppet show, and I loved a lot of the effects that I was seeing, even though I don't think I found it as entertaining as a lot of people did, which is sort of my view on the global section as a whole. Like, I respected everything I was seeing, but I wasn't mm -hmm. going to stand there and really look at it up close for very long because that's just not something I can do. With my ADD, I can't focus on that kind of thing. And so with Rudolph, I, I wasn't too focused on the story. I liked a lot of the music because clearly the performances were very impressive and they did very good singing. And I'm very happy that I got to see this show. Yeah. But I think I was really interested in looking at the puppets and effects and how they made everything work. And so when I got to take a look backstage and see those puppets up close and in person, these were very well-made puppets that oh, were yeah. kept in very good shape and were performed to perfection, and these were quite stylish. This was some sexy puppet building. It was all, good it was, stuff. They were all built at the center, too. Mm -hmm. I think we yeah, we didn't get yeah. to see their workshop today. Um, but have you ever have you seen their workshop? Yeah, it was yeah. great. Just it's, an amazing place, and they just had so much going on. Yeah, It's it's the real deal. Mm -hmm. And in order, I mean, well, with the, with the, stop, the stop motion animation version of this special, I mean, those are three-dimensional characters, too. These three-dimensional characters were obviously puppets, but they're made so true to what you're used to seeing in that TV special of Rudolph. I mean, it looks like the exact same characters, the exact same everything. These just happen to be puppets instead. Um, the mouths didn't really move, and that was a little disconcerting to me at first. It was like, okay, why couldn't I, we just make the mouths? But I got used, got used to it. Quick, to but it. You got, yeah. You, yeah, by the end of the show, it's like, you know what? It doesn't even phase me. And the voices were spot on. Wow. Just so accurate. When you were thinking about the movie and you were hearing the voices, I was really surprised that it was these puppeteers who were performing them because the voices sounded dead on. Yeah. It was a very, very faithful recreation of the special. Yeah. But also... Actually, I'm not entirely convinced that they weren't just playing the movie <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> and we totally fell for it. Well, I, I think it was... They just took the script from the original special because many of us know that one very well and I I could tell a lot of the, the lines where I knew exactly what the wording was supposed to be. Yep, they nailed it. Yeah. And it was all the same songs. It was I knew it was just it was great. Yeah. Everyone had made a big deal of, oh my gosh, are you gonna see Rudolph when you're down there? Um, and I didn't really get why it was such a big deal. Yeah. And now that I've seen it I can tell you it's a big deal, and if you're here, you should definitely go see it. Absolutely, yeah. Over uh, 60 puppets, 63, 64, I believe was the total number. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was something else. For the short, for the relatively small number of characters, to see how many different puppets and how many different versions they had of Rudolph, how many different versions they had of even a character that was 
you know, not having that many lines like Santa. Yeah. I mean, Santa had quite a few different ones. And then seeing the enormity of their, uh, help me. Oh, the abominable snow monster. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness, that thing was massive. Just so huge. Gigantic. Yeah. They always have to have one of their tallest and strongest puppeteers doing that one because it's a killer. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge puppet that goes around your whole body. I wish you could see their workshop, and you have to see it at some point because the way it's like their their prop shop and their workshop, everything is kind of like this one big place where they build everything, and then the really really big set pieces they can't fit back to the theater anyway, except on a line that goes from the like a huge industrial door from one building, and they roll it across the part of the parking lot <laughs> into the theater. They have no other way except these this one hole in the wall essentially you know it's it's incredible to, to actually see it so when you come back you've got to take the tour and and see some of that stuff too because those guys are amazing craftsmen i certainly believe it i don't know that i got the chance to mention uh my favorite muppet to see but i don't know that i need to because i think everyone can guess <laughs> well but that, but let's do we need to back up no well the only way we need to back up is because we all said obscure muppets and I don't know if you said an obscure Muppet. I know which one was your favorite, but mm. what was your sleeper favorite? What do you mean by that? Your your favorite obscure Muppet, the one you didn't expect to to also really admire the, in the collection. The one that I didn't... Well, th it's the same as my favorite that I oh, saw. Oh, okay. It's, oh, because you didn't know... It. That's right, because we didn't... Folks, we didn't tell J.D. about any of this stuff. It's true. he... J.D. I don't know if you know this about J.D. He <laughs> hates spoilers. He... He gets really mad if I hint about anything that's coming up on like this week's episode of The Muppets. So, so Chris and I made sure not to tell him anything. Chris even told me all this stuff that I really wanted to tell JD, and I didn't. I was I was good. So, I I particularly shot a lot of video today, and I shot JD walking around because I knew I wanted to get his reaction. Oh, that's great! When he came around the corner and saw. Tamanella Grinderfall, witchiest witch of them all. <laughs> it was fantastic. She was gorgeous. I took so many photos of her. She was so freaking beautiful. It was oh. an incredibly well-restored puppet. Mm -hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that that design is largely by Bonnie Erickson. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, so one of the things, so Bonnie was one of the amazing people that were here today and she did a lot of the work with the museum for posing a lot of the puppets and doing a lot of the design with them and so she was walking around and just telling folks all these amazing stories about all these characters and so she when we got to right in front of the the case that had Tamanella she just her face just lit up and she started to tell the story about one of her her first job working with Jim was to design the costumes for Frog Prince and she worked really closely with Don Celine on all the characters, especially Tamanella, and was telling the story about the fabric that they used to create her dress. And that she, that she really thought it was the right fabric and they was on a budget for the show. And when she was gonna go purchase the fabric, it was supposed to cost like $7.95 a yard. But when she actually went to get it, it was like double that price. And she was so nervous when she was gonna go to Jim and, and saying that it was is double the amount that she thought it was gonna cost. But but that Jim was just so like, if, if you think that's the right fabric, then let's go for it. And then Bonnie sort of knew at that moment, like this is where I wanna be. I wanna continue working here. Mm -hmm. This is a really great experience. And her face just lit up and everybody took her picture in front of Tam and Ellen 
gala and she was just you could tell that it was like one of her really proud moments and really excited to be there and it's a really great story oh yeah and she she donated one of her old toolboxes to the workshop room which is really really cool i think that's my favorite room out of all of them just because that's very impressive so many just great things in like every single corner there's something new in terms of like a screen that's showing timepiece or his animation stand that was kind of showing stop motion uh the drawers you could pull out that you could see the eyes and nose and pieces of fabric and the other story that they told was that there were some places of the exhibit where you saw these slinkies hanging around yeah. and there were these little stuffed mice in there and the story that Bonnie told was that her husband Wade um, was working in a laboratory and would rescue a lot of the mice from the laboratory and so okay. they would bring them into the workshop and they would bring them into uh, the carriage house and you could see they would put these little slinkies up and be for them to be able to travel from aquarium to aquarium where they were at and it was just it was one of the many ways that that Jim let the folks play and that they rescued these mice and it was just one of those other stories and that worked its way into the exhibit and you could see the slinkies with the little stuffed mice. I, I can't yeah. believe I missed that. I saw the slinkies but I didn't see the little mice. Yeah, yeah you, you have to I look back at your photos because yeah. yeah, it was great. Wonderful. Another, like, just so many great stories see, that they were talking about the entire time. It was great. I should oh, have anticipated yeah. that because they talk about it in... or. He talks about it, Brian J. Brian, Jones. I remember that. In now, Jim Henson, yeah. the biography that's right, that's talks right. about the little and I didn't trails that they until made you were the saying, I was like, Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's great. Oh, Pick that's up your great. copy of Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones right now. Now available, hopefully, in paperback, I think. Or at least it's <laughs> going to be in paperback soon. I don't know. I have a hardcover and I like it. But that's not the point. The point is. Uh, I think I'd like to back up a little bit and just uh, pretty briefly talk a bit about what the day was like for me, just kind of recapping yes, the events please, of what it was like it. going through the day, because um, it's my show, dang it, so I get to talk about <laughs> what I want. Um, but I Are you sure you don't want to talk about talking with Craig Shemin? <laughs> no, I'm good there. Okay. Right. I can get to that at some other time. I can get to okay. that eventually. All right. It, it, what about talking with uh, Cheryl Henson this morning? Or eating breakfast next to you're, Cheryl You're Henson? ruining all of the things. Well, you said you could talk about what you want, so I'm just derailing you. Yeah, you're entirely derailing me. Well, that's about where I wanted to start off, is that this morning, it was pretty clear that we were in the hotel where everyone was hanging out because yeah. the Henson family was, was in the area. Not Brian. We did not see Brian Henson, but uh, Heather and Cheryl and children uh, mm -hmm. were, were there eating breakfast at the table next to us. And it was awkward, but it was cool. It wasn't it awkward. Was, it wasn't it was for me, awkward for you, maybe. For, for me, was I mean, I I guess one of the first people I said hi to this morning was Cheryl. I did say hi to her as she walked by, but didn't That's introduce cool. myself. Right. Uh, I just didn't get the right opportunity for that at the time. Uh, but then on the ride over in the shuttle to the museum, it was pretty much just myself and my mother who tagged along for the trip, and. Uh, Heather, Cheryl, and Henson's grandkids all in the shuttle together. That was about it. Mm -hmm. And the shuttle driver. Well, that's, we, we, that's that, that wouldn't have gone very well if he hadn't been <laughs> there. Um, no, they were going to let Henson's grandkids go ahead and drive right, the, right, the sure. shuttle around. That would have been fun. But So I think that I did get a chance to chat a little bit with Heather. And it was very clear, and this is key, this is key to understanding the Muppet fan community and the Jim Henson fan community, 
it was very clear as we were driving up to the building how really, really, really excited Cheryl was. She was just thrilled as we were going up to the building mm-hmm. to see how nice it looked and see the playground and everything, and she was just clapping and overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what a great community that the people we're fans of are also fans of the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's totally. just amazing. Yeah. So, you know, the people who are up towards the top of this thing, people in the Henson family, mm. people at the top of the food chain of the Henson fandom are huge Jim Henson fans. Yeah. And so that's that's something that made it a very special experience, I think. And then when we got in, I was pretty much told right from the get-go that I was going to have to wait outside until the 12 o'clock Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer show before I would be admitted into the museum, which was confusing because that's not what I was told was going to happen. But then I got some information that apparently I had some sort of special VIP pass because Steve had worked some magic and we got my name on a list. You just did another visual thing on a podcast, Steve. Hmm? I did, but that one wasn't important. That one was not important. Much like everything you say and do. So... (laughs) It would have been funnier if I could have transitioned out of it faster, but I just, my mind's not that sharp tonight because a lot has happened. It's it's been a a day. But yeah, so once I got that uh, handy dandy wristband and name badge and all that stuff. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, thank you so, so darn much. That was awesome. Then I got to go in and see all of the famous people who were there, like uh, Fran Brill was around in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, Brian Henson showed up, and that was terrifying. And then, much to my surprise, to my... I use the word terrifying. Terrifyingly awesome. Terrifyingly awesome. And before we knew it, much to my surprise, and I was not expecting to see this at all, I I couldn't believe that Steve Whitmire walked into the building. Steve Whitmire himself, Kermit the Frog here. It was... So, I don't know how to describe this because it was just so shocking to actually see him there in person because I haven't seen him in person in years and that was several, several, several yards and or meters away. And so I... You did the metric conversion. I I did just for our international, for our friends in foreign lands. Okay. So it was... Yeah, I, and we I didn't know not, that he had Kermit with him either. Though. We did not know at we that just, point that Kermit was with him because he wasn't bag carrying the bag. So I think we were all led to believe, like, oh, Steve Whitmire's here. It's just and Steve, it. right, and that's it. He just came by to say hi because he's cool like that. So mm-hmm. I was just surprised that with everything that's been keeping him busy with the show in California that he would fly all the way over here. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a big enough deal that he brought the Kermit puppet with him. Well, Steve has actually been doing a lot of really great fundraising for the museum and he's been donating a lot of his sort of memorabilia that he's collected over the years. And I think there was like five or six different auctions of like all his different stuff that a lot he autographed and a lot of different things to help raise money for the museum. And so I think it's something that he really cared about. I mean, there were, he auctioned off things that was like costumes oh. from Great Muppet Caper mm-hmm. and all these like special cast and crew type things and jackets and so it's stuff that like I can't believe he parted with them but he, you could tell that he really cared because he it was all packaged really well and he autographed almost everything and it was all to try to keep raising money for the museum for it to keep going so I think it's I think it's something that he probably really personally cared about and so that just even made it better that that he was there and, and brought Kermit with him to help cut the ribbon that was pretty Some great unbelievable stuff yeah. that he and, and of course Kermit was there in 1978, 
That's the, right. With yeah. Jim Henson when the when the museum initially opened. So yeah, it was great too. And we heard a great story about that too, didn't we? Yes, we did. It took me a second to think of it, but yeah, we did. Would you like to tell it? Um, yes, but I forget Nancy's last name. I totally forget it myself. Okay. So. Um, yep, Arian's on that one. I'm going to Google that while you talk about it. Okay, so um, so Nancy was one of the people who helped uh, Vince Anthony open the center in 1978, along with Jim Henson. In fact, Nancy was uh, at, on the appointed day. Um, as they're getting everything ready at the last minute, like they're sewing the cushions into the seats. I mean, they were really working up to the 11th, maybe even the 12th, oh, maybe even the 13th hour on this thing. And uh, in any case, Jim, being an extremely in-demand guy, uh, was flying in just for this event and then flying right back out. I mean, he really couldn't spend any extra time other than the time he had already specifically allotted for this kind of thing. So... Vince sent Nancy out to the airport. Do we have a last name? Nancy Loman Staub. Thank you. So Nancy Staub uh, goes out to the airport to pick up Jim. And, uh, and we heard this little nugget in the story, too, which I thought was <laughs> so funny. So this was a little before the days of cell phones. So once you, didn't, once you were away from a building or once you were in your car, you were not generally available by telephone. Uh, so... Vince, she sees uh, on the freeway to the airport, she sees who's coming up on the in the car next to her but Vince. And he's like frantically pointing at her in the car. And what he's indicating is, oops, he forgot to fill up that car with gas before, he, before Nancy left. So she had to run off and get gas. And then when she picks up Jim, she throws the, the bag with Kermit in the trunk. And uh, they get back to the center just in time. Uh, Jim's walking up to the entrance and they needed Kermit and the trunk had a different key and that key suddenly became lost. So Kermit essentially was locked in the trunk <laughs> and unable to be part of the ceremony until Nancy frantically looking around on the floor of the car found the key to the trunk but she she told us in the story like I I would have used a blowtorch to just torch the thing open <laughs> It would, it would have saved time because Jim really didn't have any extra time to spare for anything. Um, but they did find the key. Kermit, as history goes, was part of the opening day ceremonies. And uh, and they all lived happily ever they after. They all lived happily ever But it's such a great story, and right? And Kermit was a part of our lives today when we actually got to talk for Steve Whitmire for a little bit. Isn't that right, Steve? Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. And that was, that was a nice little chat that we had. It was nice for me to finally meet him. Yeah. Very nice guy. Oh my gosh, yeah. Steve is one of the most warm and inviting guys out there. One of my favorite people on the planet. One of the most unassuming... I mean, this is a guy who... And we talk about this so often, you know. We are... We, we cover a pretty big area of show business. Show business is not always known for having a bunch of really nice people in it. There's a lot of egos involved. But everyone I've ever talked to in the Muppet community has been so nice when they didn't have to be. Um, surprisingly nice in some cases, and I've told stories about that. I know you have as well. Um, and so getting to actually talk to Steve Whitmire, and the fact that Steve Whitmire would take time to just hang out and talk with us for a little bit, mm -hmm. and just kind of stand around and chatting like you do. Um, very, just, very friendly, very, very casual. Yeah. And interested in what we had to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, was, uh, that was a nice little bonus to the day. 
he's one of those people that you naturally just want to be a lot like. You just want to be like this guy. Yeah, yeah. You just want to, like, you aspire to have the kind of demeanor that he has. Yeah. Uh, I certainly do. I don't have it yet, but someday I want to. Yes. Because it, it, it was very, very nice. And he's been very happy with the new show on ABC. As yeah, we, we actually got to talk frankly we, about we, the new show. We did get to talk frankly about it, and it seemed like uh, at, if I... Remember it right, because I got a lot. I heard a lot of different opinions on the new show, and I don't want to mix them up. But most of them were about the same opinion, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And I think Steve uh, kind of shared this. At first, it was hard to say how good or bad it was, but mm-hmm. then it kind of hit its stride, and it's just been getting better and better and better gradually. That's that yeah. seems to be his view on it. That's the view that I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about the same thing? I've I've heard pretty much the same thing from a lot of folks. I remember um, friend Brill was talking about the show. She felt pretty much the same way that it progressively got better and better as as the different episodes went on, and um, a lot of folks were comparing it to the old Muppet Show and kind of what was different. And and I think a lot of folks recognized too that this show is trying to be entertaining to a different audience than what The Muppet Show was. Yeah. And acknowledging that and still sort of pointing out that that maybe they didn't find it as funny as what others did, but they got the different direction of it. But that folks were saying that, not sure at first, but definitely seeing improvements and people definitely want to see more. So yeah. I think that is, that's great. Yeah, Steve is, Steve has a lot of faith that the show is going to do well. Yes. And that's a good sign. So, because if someone if someone right on now. his Great side time. is saying that, yeah, yeah. So, going back to how nice these people are, though, I, if, it, just think about this for a second. Let's think. What's, at least historically speaking, the most popular TV show in children's television history? That's mm-hmm. Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Yeah, the most popular children's TV series. It just is. Yeah. Now let's think about who the primary characters, the main characters, are who show up on that show most often these days. Because these days it seems like it's, pri- it's the show's primarily run and hosted by Elmo and Abby Cadabby. Mm-hmm. Well, I met both of those people today <laughs> who have right. every right <laughs> to be super pretentious because they're the stars of the most popular children's TV series I never thought about around today. Like that, you're right. And they were both nice, nice people who were easy to go up to and talk to and mm-hmm. meet. That's amazing. That's not the way this business is supposed to work. That's, mm-hmm. you know, from well, from the stories I hear about human beings, they're I not supposed it, to be that kind I of think people. It is the way. It's not the way that it typically it's, it's, works. It's not the way it typically works. That's but I think it's supposed it, to work. Yeah, I. That's know. that's very much in the world ideal. I want to live in, at least. Uh huh. Yeah, in yes. my utopia. Mm-hmm. Right. My utopia has everyone acting the way that people acted today. A, a lot of people who clearly respected one another, and just seeing everyone hugging each other made my heart happy. Getting mm-hmm. Seeing Steve Whitmire hugging Brian Henson warmed my heart today. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. like So many moments like that today. Yeah. So many of them. It's yeah. just seeing these this family that we care about so much, the Muppet family, all getting to bond and all being so, 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 so happy mm-hmm. that this all worked out as well as it did. It, it, was, it was a very, very joyful experience. And... I, I guess we gave away that Brian Henson was there. He did eventually. I guess we, we already did, did say that. that. Yeah. We did say that earlier. I couldn't remember. But, yeah, he was down there in the VIP lounge where we were hanging out for a bit and got to chat with some people down there. Again, lots of very nice people. Uh, had a great conversation for a while, Steve and I did, with Stephanie DeBruzzo. Yeah, that was fun. And, um, and, and you were part of that conversation, Chris. Yes, yes. Yes. 
I think the the only disadvantage to everything that we saw today, the only down part for me was that this is only in Atlanta. You have to come here to actually experience it and mm -hmm. see it. Like, I wish that this was accessible to anyone, anywhere, to, you know, at any... Like, you you can't capture this on camera. There's going to be a lot of video and, and photo footage of this, but... Most of it coming out by us. <laughs> most of it coming from us, yes, exactly. <laughs> but the experience of this can't be recap recaptured except by coming to Atlanta. You have to make the trip. And, and you should make the trip because, I mean, yeah, it's the Center for Puppetry Arts and Atlanta's a great town, but this is the only place you're going to, to see this, you know. Um, and it, it's weird because I, that's, it's probably a weird way to say something like that, but does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. I, I want to wrap up the story of what my day was like. And so I think I've hit most of the key points. Uh, talked about the Rudolph show, talked about going through the exhibit and being just shocked when I saw all the things that I saw. Pardon the background noise, we don't have control over the sound, folks. Sorry, we're in a hotel. Uh, but I think we at first went through the exhibit backwards, which was weird. But we kind of <laughs> yeah. we started with with Dog City, Song of the Cloud Forest, Tale of the Bunny Picnic, mm -hmm. then Labyrinth, and then Dark Crystal and Fraggle, and kind of worked back from there yeah. until we eventually got to Omar which was an odd way for it to start, but I understand that because the other Sam and Friends characters are over at the Smithsonian. Right. Which, oddly enough, my parents have seen, but I haven't. They got around to seeing the original cast of Sam and Friends, and I never made oh, cool. it, which makes me jealous. And really, one really more reason to go to D.C., right? One That's more true. reason to go to D.C. Strong. Did you get to see the whole Sam and Friends cast? I did. I was there when the Henson family donated the big sort of swath of, mm. of Henson puppets to the Smithsonian. And so they had a wide range in terms of Fraggle Rock, Sam and Friends, um, just kind of the whole sort of Muppet canon. And it's really mm -hmm. spectacular. But the Smithsonian, they've been displaying them like little bits at a time. Like they'll put a, one set of characters out for a couple of months and then they'll take others back and sort of switch them out. They're working on a renovation of their sort of American stories wing where a lot of folks are hoping to see more of them on, on a permanent display. But what they were talking about today is that a lot of them are, are again going under some extensive restoration work to get them ready for being on display for longer periods of time. Yeah. And even at the center, they have said that they have 500 artifacts that are, that are around. They have 500 artifacts there. It's just that on display, we only saw about 75 of them. Meaning that if we show up a year from now, it could look really, really different. And we could a see great a kind reason of to come back. Yes, so I guess yes. we're doing this a year from now. Huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Can we make we'll this a Thanksgiving date. tradition? <laughs> it's a date. I would love it if that was a Thanksgiving tradition. That would actually be a lot of fun. A couple weeks before Thanksgiving every year. Yeah, a couple weeks before yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. The trip yeah. to Atlanta. And yeah. we get Steve Whitmire to come every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can get him to commit to that. That shouldn't be too hard. Hmm. For that one thing, I might I might agree with you on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I, I will say I was totally surprised and caught off guard to see the... Bean Bunny Dragon from Tale of the Bunny. Oh my gosh, that was yes. awesome. That was amazing. That was so fantastic. Not Bean Bunny. Yes, Bean Bunny's there. Yes, but he is. The dragon Bean Bunny Bean Dragon. dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. That was the one thing I saw last week when I knew he would love Tamanella. Uh -huh. That was the thing I thought. Because I really love Tale of the Bunny. Pictures. I had no idea. You I were thought such you were going to say Roosevelt Franklin. 
I I love seeing him too. That one. That, that one. Yeah. I was. That's another one that had me gaping. And <gasps> yeah, there was a lot of great Sesame Sherlock stuff Hedlock. there. Um, but yeah, Tale of Bunny Picnic is one of my absolute favorite things. I had from, no idea from a little kid because. Well, because I, I watched a lot of the Muppet stuff on HBO, so like Fraggle Rock and Labyrinth and all that stuff, and Emmett Otter, of course. But for some reason, Bunny Picnic has always stood out to me. And the thing that is so... I, I'm always just... I, I've never forgiven myself for this. I'm so disappointed. Is I had a brand new um, VHS of Tale of the Bunny Picnic that I bought in college and I never opened. And I lost it. Oh, oh, that's awful. Steve. I know, that's right? Awful. Like I could have a pristine copy of this, to maybe even to share with the world. And now I, I'm gonna have you'd have to pay something for it on eBay, or I don't yeah. know. But. Well, you know, speaking of these really, really obscure puppets that we were so happy to see, one of the creepiest episodes of Fraggle Rock, and there are a lot of dark and creepy episodes of Fraggle sure. Rock. Sure, <laughs> yeah. there are. We always forget that. We always think of it as this cute little happy kid show. Then we watch the terrible tunnel. And go, holy crap, what is this show? <laughs> what did it do to children? That's it it had its... Uh, there are so many other examples I could give, but uh, one of the great examples is when Boober goes to the Caves of Forgetfulness, which or whatever they're called. I don't remember the exact title. Yeah. I'm, I'm re-watching the series of Fraggle Rock, yeah, so I'll get to that episode soon. Well. Yeah, I forgot what the episode's I think called. you might went into the cave. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, the funny part about the episode, of course, is that they don't they they couldn't put up a sign to mark the Caves of Forgetfulness because right. people kept forgetting to put up the sign. Is that the, the song where they, I am Boober Fraggle, no, 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 no. No, that's that different. No, that was when he thought he was a gorg. Thank oh, you. okay, all right. Very good catch. Well done. Uh, but that's... Yeah, that's totally different. This one had I'm Never Alone, which is oh, a top five favorite Fraggle Rock song for me. That's a great song, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, that might be a top ten favorite Muppet song for me, actually. Ooh, I love wow. that one. I love that's that impressive. number. That makes high on the list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Boober's, Boober and Wembley make high in my list of favorite Muppets of all time. Sure. Very high up there. Yeah. And because I love so many Muppets, that's hard to do. Especially when you consider that Tamanella takes up the first five spots. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Walter is probably up there in the top spot. But then mm-hmm. Ralph, Tamanella, Kermit, and then I make room for everybody else. Okay, sure. and, and very close up there, I think you'll find Wembley and Boober. All right. I love those characters and sometimes think I might appreciate Fraggle Rock more than any other Henson production. Don't tell anyone I said that. Okay. Your but, secret's safe with me. Okay. And, and the, yeah, rest sometimes, the rest of the Muppet fan and community. And the rest of the Muppet yes, fan yes. community. But yeah, sometimes I feel that way. It's a very special production to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw The Flower from the Caves of Forgetfulness. Yeah, that was cool. That was a really, really satisfying moment for me mm-hmm. because that's one of the creepiest characters from Fraggle Rock, in a way. And really a nice fan moment from the exhibit. Mm-hmm. You know, because many people would probably just walk right by, okay, it's, it's, it's just another set piece, you know, from Fraggle Rock. But fans who know go, oh my gosh, that's the, that's the one, that's the flower. It's a pity I didn't see Link Hogthrob or... Uh, uh, or Strange, Strange Corp, Corp yeah. because those used to be on display. Yeah, and I, I want to think that maybe they're reconditioning that because the last I time I so, saw yeah. them, they were getting a little dusty and maybe they're kind of redoing. I think they're doing the same thing with the Skeksis that That was you the other one I was yourself. really surprised yeah. that I didn't see because like, people were talking about it when they went to the museum before that they saw the Skeksis, but the the Gartham that mm-hmm. was there. Oh, no, that man. was cool. That, that was, was I mean, those. that was one of the characters when I was a kid mm-hmm. that just genuinely terrified me. Right. And when you're looking at it, how big and tall it was, and just 
the detail on that thing where like the fur at kind of the end of its shell yeah. it just like it just brought all that kind of fear back but it was just this blooming such an impressive character to look at yeah and it then was very of course formidable. one of the ones that i spent a good while looking at in depth and up close was agra oh yes oh yeah yeah oh, i awesome. think that was one of the big prize pieces that they that they wanted to have in the opening because so just, of the detail on that character right very detailed character Hideous and gorgeous at the same time is the only way to describe it. And a lot of the videos that were next to it, talking about like the the dark crystal and a lot of the puppetry behind it, a lot of it featured Frank um, puppeteering Agress. I think that was a really nice compliment. Yeah. It was, it was a delight, and seeing mm -hmm. that Gartham was, it was pretty satisfying because that's another one of those scary characters. And over time, I've come around to like. And really appreciate a lot of the characters that used to scare me, like Tamanella Grinderfall. Oh, so I have something to add to while we're talking about okay. Dark Crystal and all this. This was another unexpected moment. Mm, I know where you're going yeah, with this, yeah. Uh, from, from this morning. So, um, I believe, well, I, I, I don't know whose kids were whose, but there were three of Jim's uh, granddaughters running around as well. And, uh, and we saw them when they were cutting the ribbon. And then they were just kind of walking around looking at everything in the museum exhibits along with everybody else. And uh, they happened to, like, J.D. and I happened to be looking at the, some of the Dark Crystal stuff at the same time that the th three of them came around. So we just, I strike up a conversation and said, okay, so out of the three of you, meaning the, the granddaughters, what do you like better, Labyrinth or Dark Crystal? Because we were right in between both exhibits. And I kind of expected them all to say Labyrinth. I don't know why. But the youngest one... And the middle one both said Dark Crystal, and then the older one said Labyrinth. And I said, hey, that's right, I'm, I'm on your side, I'm on Labyrinth. And I'm but, on Team Labyrinth as but, well. And you're on Team Labyrinth. So, so, But at the same time, after we did the little poll, I said, okay, well, why do you like Dark Crystal so much? And they were able to speak in great depth and detail about why they liked the Dark Crystal. And I mean, talking about it as someone who was involved in the film would speak you know oh, wow. like that was striking that was so impressive to hear that coming from younger people is yeah yeah i mean they they had a very clear idea of what they were talking about with you know character and, and just everything had to do with the film that was something that really kind of surprised me it was like yeah we're all in the right place today aren't we yeah, yeah, because in my experience, whenever you have anyone under the age of 20 talking about Henson, they sound so stupid. Like, why do we even let these people... <laughs> I know, people... right? <laughs> I mean, why bother? It's young kids today, I'm telling you. Kids yeah, today. I know. Yeah. So, I think that I've said most of the things that I want to say. My mind was blown. I met tons of nice people. Um, but uh, what and I... And you should all come down here. And you should all come down here yes. because you'll see lots of great puppets and it's absolutely stunning and gorgeous and amazing and there's great puppetry to see and you can make your own puppet and, oh my gosh, there's just so much to experience when you just come to this one exhibit that you you, you think you're only going to spend a couple hours and you end up spending all day yeah it's yes. and you can just go through the exhibit again and see different things that you didn't notice before oh yeah i mean i like, i've yeah. lost count of the number of times the number of laps i did around mm -hmm. that and you just keep noticing more and more stuff because it's so detailed but one of the things i tried to get in earlier and i'll, I'll mention this sort of as we get to uh close here is that for for the first good portion of the day, I had a hard time talking to people. I was really nervous. Like, I had mm. gotten the courage to say hi to Cheryl Henson right off the bat in the hotel. Right. Um, and then I had a lot of people introducing me to people, like you introduced me to Arthur Novell. Thank you very much for doing that. Seems like a really swell guy. 
And boy, does he have a heck of a memory. Oh, he remembered me from years and years ago before I lost all the weight and got LASIK. He still knew me. And, uh, I mean, still knew all the details of my life. And I don't. I think he's putting something else into motion. I'm not sure. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, um, getting to, to kind of reconnect with everyone and... Well, it's, it's, it was, it's, it was, it was fun for me introducing you to all these folks because someone introduced me to all of them at one point years and years and years ago too. And I know that my events coming down here and coming to the center were the jumping off point for some of the biggest opportunities that I've had for the Muppet cast. So kind of getting to do that for someone else was a lot of fun. I, I'm sure it was, but it, I I guess I started off being really 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 nervous in some ways and not I wasn't totally you know unable to talk to anybody I went up to some people and talked to some people and that yeah. was fine but for most of the day I think I had to be introduced to people and finally by the end of the day I'd gotten to the point when I could just go up to Craig Shemin and introduce myself go up to uh, Leslie Carrara Rudolph and introduce myself. That's and, why I didn't introduce you to Craig because I knew you were going to work it. This is all BS, by the way. But this <laughs> yeah. is, I knew you were going to work up the courage to do it by yourself. I'm proud of you, little and buddy. You did. I like how you admit that it's a lie mid lie <laughs> and just keep going yes, with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Craig was a nice guy. Craig is one of the best. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone was a nice guy. I have one complaint oh. about anything that's that's mm. happened today or this evening or anything. Well, Ryan Dozier wasn't there. That's a given. No, that was actually pretty good. But <laughs> what I'm talking about... Poor Ryan. <laughs> love you, Ryan. Um, no, what, what I'm talking about is you've been sitting here for the last, I don't know, 30 minutes or so holding on to a recorder that you haven't <laughs> played yet. <laughs> Are you going to play us out? or? Apparently I am. Well, then give the let, let's wrap it up and then... Okay, in that case... In that case, who are we going to start with? We can start on this end. Do you have anything else that you would like to say in closing? Just such a wonderful day. Folks, come down to the museum and, and experience it. You you won't forget it. It's totally worth it. And just thanks to, to Bonnie Erickson and everybody at the Jim Henson Legacy for all the work putting it together. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Now, generally, I'm talking to people who have something to promote, so I don't know if you have a Twitter handle or anything you want to get up there. If not, then we can leave it at Nothing that. Nothing to promote. I am all good. In that case, thank you very much for being on the show. Glad I appreciate to, it very glad much. Glad to be here. And Chris, thank you for finally coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, the only thing I would like to add is the experience of being there today. It's obvious that everybody that was involved with this project, I mean, it was all about honoring and remembering Jim Henson and his legacy and they've done a wonderful job with it and I would recommend everybody to come down and visit the center. No matter how far away it is. No matter how far away it is. Yeah. Steve? Worth the trip. Closing remarks? It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you, Steve? Oh, you can find me over at MuppetCast.com and uh, the Twitter feed. There's also MuppetCast. The iTunes page is MuppetCast.com slash iTunes. The Facebook page is MuppetCast.com slash Facebook. And uh, more stuff coming up from my side, too, on the MuppetCast. All right, and I am J.D. Hansel of MuppetHub.com, which is where you can find 
every episode of 11 Point Collar and Let's Talk Muppets and all the other fun podcasty things that I've been doing lately. And you can get links to the stuff over at the MuppetCast and all the other fun Muppet fan sites if you want to keep up with the news. Check out our videos, our articles. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, Turkey Hollow has been a big thing that we're talking about and celebrating. And as we're recording this... uh, Steve still hasn't seen it because it hasn't been on TV. I haven't finished watching it, though I started watching a screener copy I got. From what I've seen so far, that's good. So there's there's a lot going on, and you can follow Muppet Hub on Facebook by going to MuppetHub.com slash Facebook, and follow me on Twitter at JD11PC. And I think that's all you need to know, so I guess I can just start playing the recorder now, and I don't know what I'm going to play, because I can't remember how to play any songs on this. I don't know how to play that. That's a complicated one. Play saying goodbye. Uh, I might be able to do a... That's something. That's but good. I don't That's know how to close nice. it. I don't know how to... Uh, I can't well, get low you enough. You have to go I can't, up the Right, yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, wait, that I think... That was good. There was a... Uh, you actually should have stopped after that, really. But. <laughs> yeah, I used to be able to do a bit of uh, Saxon violence. Ooh. Yeah, I used to. I can't remember it now. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah, that's awful. That's all I know. <laughs> you know what? Better idea. Let's just play the normal closing theme music now. You don't want to edit that part. Maybe I want to edit that out. Yeah, maybe take another crack at that. Let's take another crack at that.